the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, January the 5th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On January 5th, 1957, President Dwight D. Eisenhower proposed assistance to countries to help them resist communist aggression in what became known as the Eisenhower Doctrine. Today, in 1896, an Austrian newspaper, Wiener Press, reported the discovery by German physicist Wilhelm Röntgen of a type of radiation that came to be known as X-rays. Today, in 1914, Henry Ford announced he was going to pay workers $5 for an 8-hour day as opposed to $2.34 for a 9-hour day. Employees still work six days a week. The five-day week work week was instituted in 1926. Today, in 1933, construction began on the Golden Gate Bridge. It was completed four years later. Today, in 1949, in his State of the Union address, President Harry S. Truman labeled his administration the Fair Deal. Today, in 1972, President Richard Nixon announced that he had ordered development of the space shuttle. And today, in 2011... John Boehner was elected Speaker as Republicans regained control of the House of Representatives on the first day with the first vote of the new Congress. Well, <laughs> that's not what's happening today, January 5th, 2023. They're beginning, the House of Representatives is beginning as we speak to prepare for another vote. This will be the seventh vote over the last three days. Um, to get a speaker. The Republicans are divided, and they are strongly and deeply divided over Kevin McCarthy. It is not working out well, and um, boy, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm a little surprised. I knew there was dissension there because I've followed it. I haven't necessarily talked about it on this program, but I have followed it. But I was surprised at how deep and how deep the resolve was on the part of those 20 um, Congress uh, persons, women and men, that are uh, taking a position, and they will not vote for Kevin McCarthy. So consequently, he doesn't have enough votes because the majority, the Republican majority, is pretty thin in much, not at all, what was expected in the election in November, last November. But um, there just aren't enough votes, there aren't enough Republicans there to make the difference with these 20 refusing to vote for Kevin McCarthy. It's very, very interesting. Uh, A lot is being said about it, of course, because um, the the Speaker of the House is a very powerful position. They're in line for the presidency, even. And so, um, by the way, uh, (laughs) speaking of being in line to the presidency, did you hear yesterday... I knew this was coming because it had been announced, and uh, Patty Murray is not right on the front of my mind all the time, but she has amassed a lot of power, 
uh, political power over the years. Uh, starting out as the mom in tennis shoes from Linwood or wherever she started. But anyway, uh, she is uh, pro tem now, which means that uh, she is in line for the presidency. Um, should the president, the vice president, the speaker not be available to become president in some kind of a situation that might occur, wouldn't that be something? Let's don't even go there. Nancy Pelosi is mocking the Republicans today, not surprisingly, but I was a little surprised at what she said. She's mocking them with a lot of uh, robust, but uh, what what she is saying is kind of ironic, to me at least. Former Speaker Nancy Pelosi is criticizing the GOP's approach to the speakership election as it reaches its third day, saying the Republicans are cavalier and their cavalier attitude is frivolous and disrespectful. Now, it's hard for me to hear those words coming out of her mouth, especially the frivolous and disrespectful part. This is from the woman who stood behind the President of the United States a serving president, a sitting president, giving his State of the Union address, and she sat behind him, you know, she and the vice president, and uh, and as Trump gave his speech to the nation and the world, she stood in plain sight and tore up the text of his speech. The speaker gets a copy of it, and others do. The press gets a copy and so on. She stood up and tore up her copy of the President of the United States State of the Union speech. And she's talking about disrespectful and frivolous? I don't know. She continued, Pelosi, she said, All who serve in the House share a responsibility to bring dignity to the body. I don't think tearing up the President's speech while he's giving it on live television, seen all over the globe, I don't hardly know how that any in any way aligns with the word dignity. She tweeted on Wednesday, quote, sadly, Republicans' cavalier attitude in, in a, electing a speaker is frivolous, disrespectful, and unworthy of this institution. <laughs> we must open the House and proceed with the people's work, she continued. Doesn't that sound like someone like Nancy Pelosi I mean they're always we got to do the work we got to get it done we got to make progress and so on and they never make progress they're destroying this nation that's why I'm so concerned about what's going on that's why I'm so concerned about the elections oh Gary Jesus is coming and we're all going to go to heaven well I hope we all go to heaven and yes Jesus is coming but Jesus also told us to be workers to be salt and light and to be active in the culture that he has placed us in, in the nation that he has placed us in. I believe in that. The Bible is very clear that God established national sovereignty for his purposes during this period of time. And I I, I think we need to take that very seriously. And this political thing has become almost a game to where it's just beyond explanation, some of what's going on right now. But I, I'll tell you, I, 
some some of the people surprisingly have begun to speak out about this matter with Kevin McCarthy, Reagan's attorney general, and other prominent conservatives, Ronald Reagan's guy. They're beginning to say it's time for McCarthy to step aside. Prominent conservatives signed a letter supporting the anti-McCarthy Republicans, the 20 that are saying they won't vote. They said, we can't support this. They're all very conservative. Dozens of prominent conservatives signed this letter, including former attorney general for Ronald Reagan and his administration. They released a letter Wednesday in support of the 20 House Republicans standing between Representative McCarthy and his bid for the speakership. Months ago, these members made clear that this established way of doing things was no longer acceptable, the letter says. It's it's written by a group that call themselves a conservative action project. The letter continues, rather than engage them in a good faith negotiation, Representative Kevin McCarthy has instead maligned both the requests and the messengers. He has publicly and through proxies leveled attacks against members of his own party, including threatening to deny committee assignments for those who continue to oppose him who are conservative. Some of the signees on the letter, I'm not going to go into it any deeper, at least at the moment, but some of the signees on the letter included Edwin Meese the third. He was the uh, he was the attorney general. He was in the Reagan administration. And uh, Jenny Thomas, she's president of Liberty Consulting, but she's also the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Jim Dement, he's chairman of the Conservative Partnership Institute now. He was formerly a U.S. senator, and he was formerly the head of, of a Heritage Foundation. These guys, and in, in Jenny Thomas, and these are, are real, they're significant in the world of politics. And these are not just people on the, on the sideline wanting to get a little attention. They feel very strongly about this, or they wouldn't have obviously wouldn't have crafted this letter and put it out publicly. It's an open letter, but it was sent to McCarthy and to the Republican leadership, and um, they're saying enough is enough. He needs to step aside. So when you, and President Trump, I I know he's supporting uh, McCarthy and and so on, but. Some of the trusted conservatives are saying McCarthy's not really conservative and he's going to take us down a path that's just like Mitch McConnell. I don't know. I don't sit in those meetings, but I do know there are certain people that we can trust who speak to the culture. And some of those people signed this letter. And so that, to me, it adds a great amount of um, value in the sense of, you know, what is real and what is not. But that's kind of the... It's not the rest of the story, but it's kind of the backstory to what's going on. And we'll see where this goes. But the whole world is watching this because it hasn't happened uh, like this in uh, electing a Speaker of the House for more than 100 years. So, uh, you know, it just McCarthy says he will not step down because that's been his lifelong goal to become the Speaker of the House. So not good. For our country, not good for the Republican Party. And uh, I think it's kind of a reflection of the times in which we live. Times of chaos, times of confusion, times of of questioning, times of rebellion. Uh, All of these things are taking place and they come together because we are blessed 
to have such a free society, and it still is free, and we get to vote, and we get to influence, if not decide, who our rulers will be. And so uh, these are serious matters, and I hear Christians, it, it, it concerns me, but I hear Christians sort of wave off all of this stuff, and they say, well, I'm not involved in politics. I'm working for the kingdom of God. And I, I'm doing the work of the Lord. And I'm not going to get dirtied by, soiled by getting into politics. I don't think Christians should be involved in politics. I hear this a lot. And I see it written and I see the inferences of people, even on social media. Some people that I know who have, some of them have a pretty, a good deal of influence. And I know them personally. And I, I, I know their heart. I know they love the Lord. But man, they're out there telling people that just don't get involved in politics, and they're kind of leaning toward the religious left, and yet kind of being an evangelical. And I don't know. I it just seems to me that I I get the feeling that this kind of is the definition of being lukewarm, and the Bible is very clear on lukewarm, and I think we need. Our, our Christianity has got to be, first and foremost, our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what Christianity is about. But man, I mean, we have to be about the Father's work and the Father's purposes. Or what do our lives mean? I mean, are we saved so we can just, like, relax and, you know, get a get a nice recliner and, figuratively speaking, or, or maybe in reality, and just sit and watch the world go to hell. I don't think that's what God has called us to do. In fact, I know it isn't. We're called, first and foremost, to preach the gospel and share the gospel with every creature on earth. And there's a great effort going toward that. And I've tried to, in the best ways that I knew how, is to invest my life, my entire life, adult life, in doing just that and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because it transforms the lives of people and it saves them from an eternity in hell. And it changes the culture. When a heart is changed, the culture is changed. But I have not ever felt that I had no obligation to be involved in what's happening in the culture and I have never seen more confusion and chaos in my lifetime. And I'm over 40 that I'm seeing right now. And I think you can agree with that. Some of you who are also over 40, you've seen a lot. You've not seen anything like this. It's it's beyond description sometimes. Sometimes when I come on the air live every morning, initially at 9 a.m., I'm wondering, do I, man, is this stuff, is this really happening like this? And it is. We've lost our way. And that's the problem. And in that context, I find it very, very interesting that Christians, according to a new Pew Research Center survey, it just came out, and it's an in-depth survey, they contacted or spoke to or got response from every member in Congress, except one, and he died recently, and he hasn't been replaced yet. But they found that Christians make up in this new class in Congress, the people who are guiding the United States of America, they found that 
Christians make up, these are their words, an overwhelming majority of those serving in the House and Senate during the 118th Congress. They have done this new analysis, Pew Research Center. They titled their report, Faith on the Hill. That caught my attention. The polling organization explores 534 of the 535 members, their religious affiliations. They found that 88% of Congress in this 2023-2024 session self-identifies with some form of Christianity. And if they do have some form of Christianity, why are we in such a mess? Why is all of this gender agenda going forward, the gay agenda, the homosexual agenda, the abortion agenda. Now you can get your abortion pills by just ordering them, and they pop them in the slot in your, or your mailbox or the slot in your door or whatever. If this is true, that 88% of Congress in this next Congress, 2023-2024 session, identifies with some form of Christianity Why isn't that seen in their actions? Why isn't it seen in the fruit of what they do? That was the question that came to me. So they spoke to all of these 534 of the 535 members. The 535th member, Congressman-elect Donald uh, McEachin, he died before taking office, and he's going to be replaced next month in February with a special election. But they talked to everybody. These religious demographics are noteworthy because considering just 63% of Americans call themselves Christian, so there's 88% of congressional people say, I'm a Christian, and only 63% of the American population now say that they're a Christian. The percentage of Christians in Congress outpaces the proportion of citizens claiming the same religious designation. So this caught my attention, and I, I wanted to take a look at it, and I want to take a look at it for a few minutes with you today because we need to know this, and there's a lesson, there's a takeaway in this, and I'll get to that in a few moments. But Pew says in their survey, it's titled Faith on the Hill, they say this, and I'm quoting them, as it begins its 118th session, the U.S. Congress remains largely untouched by two trends that have long marked religious life in the United States, a decades-long decline in the share of Americans who identify as Christian and a corresponding increase in the percentage who say they have no religious affiliation. Since 2007, the share of Christians in the great uh, general population has dropped from 78% to its present level of 63%. Nearly 3 in 10 U.S. adults now say they are religiously unaffiliated, describing themselves as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, up from 16% who did not identify with the religion 16 years ago. But Christians, Pew says, make up 88% of the voting members of the new 118th Congress being sworn in on January 3rd. Well, we're waiting on that. That's coming. Only a few percentage points lower than the Christian share of Congress in the late 1970s. In the 96th Congress, which was in session in 1979-1980, 91% of the members of Congress identified as a Christian. Just like in recent sessions, only one member of the new Congress, Senator uh, Kristen Sinema, independent of Arizona, identifies as religious unaffiliated. Another Democrat, Representative Jared Huffman of California, 
describes himself as a humanist, and 20 are categorized as having unknown religious affiliations. So you look at the profile of the Christian Christians in Congress, and there's there's just a ton of information in this. I wrote an article on this part of what I'm talking about today, and we published it today, and it's read very widely. I'm humbled by the, the way it's accepted every day. A lot of people read it, including in other countries, a number of foreign countries. People read what I'm writing about, and it's really specific to the U.S., but uh, most of the time. But anyway, I, there's a lot of information in that. If you want to take a look at it, it's at our website, faithandfreedom.us. That's A-N-D freedom, not just A-N-D, faith and freedom, all one word, dot U-S. And there's a lot of faith and freedoms out there today, and I, some of you have discovered that. You've written me notes that said, wow, I got a website. I was trying to get on your website, and I got on a Muslim website. Uh, and they use that phrase, faith and freedom, as well, as do others. But anyway, faith and freedom, dot U-S. I found that the denominational percentages and the designations were very interesting, with Protestant uh, Protestants outpacing other religious cohorts in the U.S. Congress. But, for example, I mean, you go through the list, and there's one Buddhist in, in our Congress. There's one uh, unaffiliated in the Senate. There's nine uh, Jewish people in the Senate. There's three Mormons in the Senate. Um, you look at the House. Uh, there's Protestant Christians, there are 247 members, there's 122 Catholics, uh, there's 24 Jewish, I'm talking about the House now, there's six Mormon, there's um, there's three Muslim, there's three Ukrainian uh, religion of some kind, there's two Hindu, there's one Buddhist, one humanist, and one Messianic Jew, and so on, This that goes deep this study, and it gives you a real, really a good profile of what they're saying, but is it who they are really? I mean, I'm not, I'm not questioning their faith, except, well, I guess I kind of am questioning their faith, because their works, the things that they do, does not line up with a biblical faith in God, which is called, through Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, which is called Christianity. I mean, that's what it is. So among the non-Christians, there's three Muslims, two Buddhists, one religiously unaffiliated, one humanist. An additional 20 members of Congress have unknown religious affiliations. So they are Christian, I mean, self-identified. But some are asking, and I'm one of the some, just how Christian are these people? I know that sounds a little skeptical, but I think it's time to ask that question. Jesus was asking that question and answering it in his day as Christianity was being born on this earth. We become accustomed to hearing President Biden, for an example, define himself as a devout Catholic while he continuously pushes laws and policies that stand in absolute contradiction to God's word and many of them to his own church. And many in his church are beginning to speak out about the fact that they don't think he should keep self-identifying as a Catholic because he isn't a Catholic because he doesn't he doesn't even live by the the rules or the beliefs of his own church and his own leaders are doing that an example of that the White House announced this week that President Joe Biden a, a devout Catholic as he likes to say will not attend the funeral of 
that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. It's happening today as we speak. So <laughs> this Owen Jensen, he's a Catholic reporter with the EWTN network. He asked the White House press secretary at a White House press briefing Tuesday, day before yesterday, if the U.S. was sending a delegation to Rome for the funeral scheduled to take place on Thursday, today. Well, and that uh, the House press, press secretary, she indicated that, th- that they were sending uh, this ambassador, Joe Donnelly, to represent the U.S. at the memorial. So this reporter pried in a little bit and pushed it and said, why isn't the president going? I mean, the Pope is a pretty big deal to Catholics, for sure, and to people in general. So she said, she said, well, she said, uh, the president's not going to the funeral today uh, on Thursday today is in line with the wishes of the Vatican. And then she said, this is what their requests were. Well, that caught my attention. So I looked into it and it is what their requests were. They asked him not to come, that he wasn't invited. That won't be the headlines in the news because it doesn't bode well for the press full unquestioned support of the president. But that's what I'm talking about. We become accustomed to this. Nancy Pelosi is the same thing, mirror image of, of Biden and his devout Catholicism. It isn't devout Catholicism when you violate as a, what? well, in Biden's case, the most powerful office in the world violates the very tenets of faith in his own church regarding the sanctity of life and marriage and all of these issues. So this kind of hypocrisy is not just found in Biden and Pelosi, but it's found among other Christian politicians as well, because you can tell by the way they vote. Yesterday I quoted founding father Samuel Adams. His comment bears repeating. He said, the public cannot be too curious about the character of public men. That's true. We must become more curious and be informed. And that's part of why we do what we do here every day, to try to inform those who listen. But more importantly, we must be informed as to what Jesus said more than anyone else. And Jesus spoke very clearly about this issue in Matthew chapter 7. In verse 19, he said, Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I know this is direct. 20, verse 20 says, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. And then he says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out the devils in thy name, done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken them unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And he goes into that parable of building our lives, our house, on a rock versus building it on on the sand. And that's what's happening in our world today. Leaders are professing to be Christian. And I'm not being skeptical in a secular sense, but I'm concerned spiritually. Because we accept the fact that some of them say, well, I'm a devout Christian, and then they go and do the very thing that a Christian would never do, a biblical Christian. And that's why we are where we are in this nation today. We've got to get back to God 
and per, in a personal way, and we've got to get back to his word in a cultural way because therein is the success of this nation and this culture. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.